What if you could make fresh, delicious meals at home without the stress of planning, prepping, or cleaning up? Introducing Tavala. Tavala is a first-of-its-kind meal service that makes eating well effortless. By combining a countertop smart oven with delivered meals, just scan a QR code to cook dinner. First, choose from a variety of chef-crafted meals delivered weekly to your door. When you're ready to eat, just do one minute of easy prep. Next, scan your meal's QR code with the Tavala Smart Oven. While the oven automatically switches between modes and temperatures for the perfect cook, just sit back and relax. Your food's ready in 25 minutes or less. No shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. Simplify mealtime today with Tavala. Go to Tavala.com now to save $150 on a Tavala Smart Oven when you agree to order meals six times. That's T-O-V-A-L-A dot com. Promo applied automatically at checkout. Tavala. Eat well effortlessly. Tavala dot com. Premillennial, pre-tribulational, dispensational, independent, and standing on the inspired, preserved Word of God, the King James Bible as our final authority, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Joseph Ruciello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. And now, here's your host. Hey folks, this is Joe Ruscello, and it is great to be with you once again as we open up and study the precious Word of God your King James Bible. And you know, folks, as always, wherever you are, whenever you are, and on whatever platform it is you find yourself listening to us on, it is always my prayer that you also find yourself in the grace and in the mercy of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Sword of the Spirit podcast and our Thursday night Bible study. Well, folks, can you believe that another week has gone by already? Like, where did the whole week go? It just flew by. It feels like, it, to me, it literally feels like yesterday that we had opened up uh, to our uh, study of the book of Revelation with our introductory lesson. And uh, it I I feels like yesterday. And yet, here we are. We're about to launch into this glorious book with chapter number one. Now, last Thursday when we started our study of the book of Revelation, uh, it was basically introductory, just a little background information on the book, uh, some you know, foundational information, definitions, terms, and such that we'll, be, uh, we'll find repeated throughout the course of the study. And uh, tonight, like I said, we're going to be jumping into chapter number one, and chapter one is loaded with powerful imagery. It's packed with some incredible verses, deep theology. And uh, we're going to be getting into this, and we're going to be talking a lot about this uh, over the course of the study tonight. Uh, But before we get into the Bible study, I'm going to ask you to do just two things for me. First of all, would you please visit our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com, swordofthespiritpodcast.com. And when you get there, 
head over to our contact section, open up that little web form, and send us over a message. Let us know whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, any questions, comments, cares, or concerns that you might have. And also, don't forget to include your prayer request. Now, we did get a number of prayer requests uh, that came through, and I'm very thankful to get them. It was a privilege for me to pray for them over the last couple of days. And uh, so we're going to add those to the prayer list for today. But if you don't like using the web form, that's cool. All you need to do is uh, send me a direct email by putting in info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. That's info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Now, also, while you're on the website, would you please look for the Support This Podcast button? And when you find it, would you consider supporting us with a small monthly contribution? You can set that up for $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month. Now, I know the economy's tight. I know it's hard uh, to commit to a, a monthly recurring contribution. Uh, so uh, if you can't do that... You could also make a one-time contribution by clicking on the Waygiver button, which is a uh, Christian crowdfunding uh, uh, company, which we love, we love to use. Uh, you can click on the Waygiver button, and you can give there a one-time contribution uh, anonymously, if you like. Or you can now scan the Cash App code, which is on our website also. Well, no matter how you do it, folks, just pray about it first, and the Lord leads you to do it. And if these podcasts and these live shows have been a blessing to you in any way, and if you'd like to become an active part of this ministry, your contribution will go a very long way, and I would be extremely thankful for it. Now, I, there is something I wanted to mention, but I'm, I wasn't sure if I was going to or not, um, So, but I'm going to. I'm going to mention it to you right now. Um, so our host platform is uh, Anchor.fm, and uh, recently they had a change in their terms of service, and uh, because of this change, they have decided to terminate our participation in their ambassador ads program, which means that uh, you know we will be losing some monthly revenue, uh, and that. That money that we were getting it really wasn't a lot, but it was enough to help us, you know, keep the lights on, keep the servers up, and you know, keep everything running for us here. Um, so, with losing that, uh, that's we might have to scale back on some of the things that we've been doing, uh, unless we can get more folks that can uh, monthly do the monthly recurring contribution. Now, I hate to ask, and I don't like to do it. It makes me very uncomfortable. I don't know if you can tell. I really don't like to do it. So, um, again, if you are kind of on the fence as to whether or not you can or want to uh, commit yourself to a monthly contribution, even if it's a $0.99 cents a month contribution, it would be very, very helpful to us. Um, you know, we recently started to send out uh, support to uh, missionaries that are serving abroad. Uh, you know, we've been trying to, uh, to get money together so we can purchase a case of Bibles that we can give away. Uh, we do get other materials that we like to send out when, uh, when folks purchase uh, or, uh, or like I really shouldn't say purchase, but when they contribute and they, they get one of these uh, Sword of the Spirit podcast coffee mugs or a T-shirt, uh, you know, we send out little things that go along with it. Uh, so we'd like to continue to do that, but if we're going to lose the ad revenue, uh, through, uh, anchor, 
and I don't don't remember if I mentioned it or not. And the reason the change of the term of service was you have to have a minimum of one hundred listeners on the Spotify platform. Uh, now we have a hundred or more listeners on just about every other platform except Spotify. Spotify, I think we have sixty five listeners on Spotify. So um, because of that, uh, they decided that uh, you know we don't meet the terms of service, so they're going to discontinue our participation in the uh, ambassador ads. So um, that's why we're asking to uh, you know if you could to, to make that monthly contribution, that would be a great blessing for us. Uh, if you can't, uh, if you could just listen to us on Spotify from time to time, uh, that would be a blessing as well to get our Spotify numbers up so we could reapply for the Ambassador Ads program. Uh, but in the meantime, we're also considering making a move over to a different host platform that doesn't have a restriction on um, the, uh, the, their ad revenue program. So uh, we'll keep you in the loop on that and let you know how it goes. Uh, as we go, we have uh, 30 days before it uh, goes into effect, so we are working on that right now. So again, um, if you haven't made a decision as to whether or not you can or want uh, to support us, uh, just pray about it. And again, if the Lord leads you to do it, uh, we would really be thankful for it. 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99 a month. And uh, again, we'd be very thankful for it. Now, uh, I also want to say thank you, of course, to the Lord for, uh, number one, for saving me, for keeping me out of hell. And uh, I am so thankful for that, and there is really no way that you, you could demonstrate your thankfulness uh, adequately for a gift like that. And it is, folks, a, a free gift. Right now, right here, in this day, this time, in this age, the church age, it is an absolutely 100% free gift. It doesn't cost you anything. There's no works that you have to do to earn it. All you have to do is put your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him know that you know that you're a sinner on your way to hell. Let him know that you want to be saved. Let him know that uh, you're seeking forgiveness for those sins, and you want to be cleansed in the perfect shed blood of the Savior. So, and all you need to do, folks, is just just pray and ask the Lord to do that for you. The prayer is not what saves you, but the prayer acknowledges your sinful condition. And that's all that it is. What saves you is the blood, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, folks, it's a free gift. Take advantage of it now before that dispensation changes, which we will discuss when we get into the lessons on, uh, from the book of Revelation. All right, I also want to say thank you to the Lord for allowing me this opportunity and this privilege to, uh, to, uh, to, to sit here, to open up the Word of God, to, uh, to, to talk to you guys and to share the things that we've studied and learned uh, over our walk with the Lord. And, uh, man, it's a real blessing. It really is. And I am so thankful to all of you who uh, pray for us. Thank you so very much for your prayers. I really do appreciate them. I look forward to getting them and, and reading them and to know that you guys are out there praying for us praying for my family, praying for the ministry, praying for me. Uh, it really is an encouragement, and I am very thankful for it. So please keep praying for us. Um, we are under constant spiritual attack, and um, sometimes it can wear you down. Uh, but uh, 
But please, folks, keep praying. It is an encouragement to us, and God bless you for it. Also want to say thank, thank you to all of you who support us financially already. God bless you for your support. Thank you so very much for all that you do. Uh, again, you guys know that uh, your support helps pay the bills here for us and helps us get materials and now supporting missionaries abroad. Uh, so it's a real blessing, and thank you for it. And, and uh, um, please, uh, Please continue to do so, uh, and uh, we'll be very thankful. Also, I want to say thank, thank you to all of our listeners, every single one of you who listen in faithfully to everything that we put out there. God bless you for that, and uh, please continue to do so. Uh, please keep us uh, uh, high in those search results, because as you listen, play, and download the shows, it boosts us in our algorithms, and uh, it keeps us in those search engines. It keeps us on the charts on uh, several of the different podcasting platforms that we're on, including my favorite, Good Pods, uh, where we hold the number one spot on four charts. That's important. It's not bragging. It's important to be on those charts. I wouldn't care if I was number 10 on the chart. But it keeps us on the charts because uh, when folks go to these podcasting platforms and they look to see what the uh, podcasts are that are available, uh, which ones are performing, which ones are not, uh, you know, folks look at that top 10 list, that top 100 list. It's, uh, that's how I found a lot of the podcasts that I listen to. So, uh, so please continue to do so. Thank you for it, and God bless you for it. Now, folks, if you are in the Eagle Pass area and you are looking for a good King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, why don't you consider paying us a visit over at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass? We meet at 664 North Monroe. Our Sunday school hour starts at 10 a.m. Our worship service begins at 11 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. And our Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. For more information, all you need to do is just visit the church's Facebook page. And when you get there, just log into Facebook, search for First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass, and you'll find a lot of really helpful information and also episodes of this podcast, which, of course, we are thankful to the folks at First Baptist Church and, of course, to my pastor and my friend, John Monk, for allowing us the opportunity to post the show on the church's Facebook page. Thank you so very, very much for that. But, folks, wherever it is that you're listening, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers and help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's head over to some announcements. Still haven't gotten an email about using that, so we're going to keep going until we do. Okay. All right. Just some, some quick announcements. I uh, just want to remind you for our Sermon Sunday broadcast every Sunday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, uh, it's just like, this service, just like the Bible study that we do, except it's more of a preaching service than a uh, Bible study. And uh, this coming Sunday, we're going to have a special message for you, and I'm looking forward to getting into that message. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, because I want you to tune in. All right, so Sermon Sunday, 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Spreaker. And then the podcast format will be uploaded shortly thereafter, and it would be available probably within about an hour after the live show. 
Now, folks, if you are interested in prepping, I'd like to introduce you to the Contra Radio Network. Well, what's the Contra Radio Network? It's a single podcast that houses nearly a dozen talented podcasts and vidcast hosts and artists from around the country who release content daily. The uh, CRN podcast releases 15 to 20 shows a week, depending on the current events, and has several thousand downloads a month and hundreds of thousands of downloads since coming on the air in 2014. No issues are off limits to any of these patriots. You want to break down a current events? Got it. You want a guy driving around ranting like a lunatic? Got that too. You want to hear about politics, sports, Bible study, camping, firearms, and more? Contra Radio Network has it all covered in spades. And you can find it by typing in www.crn.best. That's www.crn.best. It is also available on all of your major podcasting platforms. Now, folks, don't forget to sign up for our programming announcements subscription, uh, which is uh, on our website. Just go to sortofthespiritpodcast.com. Look for the subscription box at the bottom of the homepage. Fill it out. Get on the mailing list. All that list is is that we send out an email letting you know if there's any changes to the programming, to the schedule, uh, if we're going to have a guest, if you know any any changes that might pop up over the course of a week. We'll send it out to you by email. This way, you stay in the know. But the only way to stay in the know is if you get on the mailing list. And it's free. We don't sell your information, and you're not going to get a bunch of stuff that you don't really want or care to see. All right? So, sortofthespiritpodcast.com, programming, announcements, subscription box. Fill it out. Get on the list. And while you're on the website, check out the Sword Swag tab on our website. Uh, when you get over there, you could find these really nice Sword of the Spirit podcast coffee mugs, of which I have right here. And I'm going to take my traditional sip and slurp. Mm. Today it's water because we feel a little dehydrated. So uh, get yourself your Sword of the Spirit podcast coffee mug for a contribution of $25. And you can also get one of these really neat, we're not doing a vidcast so you can't see it, but um, you can get one of these really neat Sword of the Spirit podcast t-shirts in men's and women's style for a contribution of $35. And uh, all you have to do is just click that info button that's on the uh, website and uh, send us your contact information and we will send you back the link where you can make your contribution. Uh, Really nice stuff, folks. I suggest you try to get yourself some. Makes great gifts, too. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. All right, folks, uh, March 4th uh, at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass, uh, we are having our church yard sale. All are welcome. So if you're in the Eagle Pass area, come on by on March 4th for our yard sale at 664 North Monroe at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass. All right. Well, we flew through this open part, the first segment of the opening of the show. And uh, so that means that we're going to take our first break right here. And then when we come back, we'll get into our uh, prayer requests. All right. Don't forget, folks, to like, subscribe and share with your friends, your family and your followers. Help us here at the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. 
It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening. Come one, come all, let's gather and worship. Come one, come all, sing your praises to the Lord. Amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. And uh, we're going to be getting into our prayer requests. Uh, just a second here. I'm just going to pull this up. Now, folks, um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been having some trouble with our uh, studio app, and uh, it's been disconnecting the, uh, the microphone. So uh, if by any chance... It happens again this evening. Uh, don't disappear on us because we're going to reboot it and we're going to pick it up right where we left off. So all you need to do is just uh, go back into the uh, Spreaker app and hit that play button and we'll pick it up right from where we were. Uh, we're praying, of course, that the Lord won't allow that to happen and we'll be able to, uh, to uh, get through the entire length of the show uh, without any interruptions. Now, I'm I don't think you hear what I'm hearing, but there's a little popping and little clicking going on in my headset right now. So that's why I wanted to mention it to you. I'm concerned that if it does drop out, I don't want to lose anybody. Okay? All right. So let's get into our prayer requests. First and foremost, we always, always pray 
for the folks that are in need of salvation. Now, uh, today we're going to be praying for my mom, Diane, my sister, Laura. We're praying for David in New York City. We're praying for the unsaved members of the Baldino family. And uh, we're also praying for Jackie as well. Uh, so salvation, I tell you all the time, and I, it, it's always worth repeating, salvation is the single most important decision you're ever going to make in your entire life. It's a decision that, I mean, really shouldn't be such a struggle to make. You have a choice. You can do nothing and spend an eternity in a burning hell, separated eternally from God, separated from... Folks, there's nothing good about going to hell. You know, you hear people say all the time, well, you know, I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to party with my friends. No, you're not. (laughs) I'm sorry to tell you. No, you're not. Um, There is no happiness in hell. There's no joy in hell. There's no laughing. There's no smiling. There's no parties. There's nothing. Nothing but misery and suffering and torment for eternity. So you don't have to make any decision and you'll end up in hell. Or you can turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can put your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can confess to him that you are a sinner on your way to hell and that you want to be saved. And you know something? He'll save you. He'll save you. But you've got to put your faith and trust in, in his blood. Remember I said earlier, it's not the prayer that saves you. The prayer is just the acknowledgement that you're a sinner, that you know you're on your way to hell, you know you need a Savior, you know that there's no righteousness in and of yourself to get you into heaven, that there's no good work that you can do to get you into heaven, that everything, the only way to get into heaven is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's all the prayer is. It's just an acknowledgement. What saves you is the blood, the blood applied to your account. But you've got to ask the Savior to do it. So why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? It literally just takes a second. All you have to do is just right where you're sitting, just pray. Just say, God, I am a sinner. I am on my way to hell. I ask you now to wash me clean with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive me of my sins and, and allow me my place in heaven because solely on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all you need to do. That's all it takes. Folks, I did it 23 years ago in the, in the middle of a pier in lower Manhattan. You can do it where you're sitting. So why don't you consider doing that? So let's pray for the folks on our prayer list here for salvation. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for uh, the gift of salvation that you've given us through your precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, today we plead the blood of Jesus Christ over Diane, over Laura, over David, all the, over all of the unsaved uh, members of the Baldino family, and also for uh, Jackie. Lord, we ask, you to, we ask you, Father God, just to impress upon their hearts their need for salvation. Lord, direct someone, if not this show, direct someone in their path that knows the truth, that could effectively witness to them to present the gospel, that they might be saved. And Father God, we will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, going down to our sick list. 
let's see. We are going to pray for uh, Brother Turner, who is uh, in ICU. We're praying for Pastor Martin. Uh, as always, we always pray for Pastor Martin, uh, for uh, his heart condition, uh, for his blood pressure, for his uh, overall health, his vision. And uh, uh, we, we're going to continue to pray for him because, you know, he still, despite everything that he has to go through with his health, he still goes out and street preaches once a week. He still reads his Bible 10 chapters a day through magnifying glasses just so he could read the pages, 10 chapters every day. Shame on us for not reading half of a chapter or just a couple of verses in the course of a day. So we want to pray for Pastor Martin. We're praying for Hezekiah for the biopsy that he's going to be having. We're praying for uh, Brother Robert for a, pinch, for a pinched nerve. Mary Perez uh, with cancer. Uh, Diane, my mother, with uh, COPD. My sister Laura with a slipped disc in her back. Uh, Bernice, Sister Bernice, with, uh, who's uh, started a new cancer treatment and for the cancer that she's been fighting for some time now. Uh, Janae for her heart condition. Uh, Fairman for uh, his, his struggle with cancer. And I do have an update on, uh, on him. Because remember last week we mentioned that uh, he had fallen and uh, suffered a severe cut to his forehead. And for a couple of days there, he was kind of out of it, didn't want to eat. And uh, uh, I heard from his son Alex today, uh, who sent me a wonderful picture of Furman. Uh, he, he, is, he looks so much better. He's healing well. He looks very happy. He looks very much at peace. Now, if you weren't listening last week, if you missed it, Furman was on our prayer list for salvation, and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior, which is a tremendous blessing. And uh, it's an answer to prayer, not only for the folks here at the Sword of the Spirit, but also for his son, Alex, who had spent numerous, numerous hours witnessing and talking to him over the course of a lifetime uh, to, 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 to see him finally come to Jesus Christ as his Savior. And, uh, of course, you know, we also know that the Lord answered our prayers for, for Furman, for his, uh, for, for his fall, for his injuries, and, and we are so thankful that the Lord did that. We're also praying for uh, Sharon Baldino, who uh, is uh, battling cancer. Martin Mata, who is uh, battling lymphoma. Uh, for uh, Caitlin, Caitlin's grandmother, actually, who's uh, in ICU. And we're also praying for Jackie, who is in the hospital uh, with uh, congestive heart failure, fluid in the lungs, and uh, a number of other issues as well. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you are the God of answered prayer. We thank you, Lord, for answering our prayer for, uh, for Furman, not only for him to, to, him to accept Jesus Christ and to get saved, but also, Lord, for uh, the healing that you have brought to him for this, uh, the injuries he sustained in this fall, uh, for returning his appetite, for, uh, for, uh, for putting a smile on that man's face. We thank you so much for that, Father God. And we just lift up each and every one that's on our sick list today. Father, we just ask you just to touch each one, bring healing, Lord. Uh, bring comfort and peace as each one endures the uh, difficulties that they find themselves in. And Father God, we will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, moving on down our list here. Uh, we're going to be praying for uh, my brother-in-law, Jude, uh, for his business and for uh, travel mercies as he is out of the country right now. 
We're praying for Federico Salinas, uh, who is traveling uh, to and from San Antonio with his mom for doctor's appointments. I also want to say, I don't know if Brother Salinas is listening, but uh, I want to say thank you to Brother Salinas for... uh, for all the prayers and for all the all the time of conversation that he and I have had over the last several days, and for his help with uh, moving some things around, and uh, really a, a good man, and I am so thankful for his friendship. I am so thankful to know that he is saved and he's on his way to heaven, and uh, I'm really just just blown away by the kindness and the thoughtfulness uh, of Brother Salinas. And I just want to say, God bless your brother, if you're listening. And uh, we are praying for you and uh, what lies ahead for you uh, in, in, the, in what you have told me. All right. So uh, we're also praying for, uh, for Angel, for her pregnancy. We're praying for her husband, Alex, uh, for his job and these contract extensions they're waiting on. Isabella is asked for, for uh, prayer for her walk with the Lord. Jessica, for her walk with the Lord. Uh, Brother Herrera asked for prayer for his job, for his financial situation. Uh, for his walk with the Lord. He's asked for prayer for protection. He also asked for prayer for his health and uh, for the ability to uh, retrieve his car and bring it to where he is living right now. So we're going to pray for that. We're also, he also asked for prayer for his father, Furman, uh, for the Lord's favor to get, a, to get him into a great nursing home, for the Lord not to let him suffer and to regain his ability to walk, and that uh, he lives to make it to the rapture. And that's a great prayer. So praise the Lord for that, brother. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be praying for that. We're also praying for the Purcell family uh, for their traveling uh, to and from San Antonio. Uh, we ask the Lord for travel mercies for them as well. So, Heavenly Father, we want to lift up those on our general prayer list, Lord. Uh, we, we're thinking of Jude and uh, Brother Salinas and Angel, Alex, Isabella, Jessica, uh, Alex Herrera, Furman, the Purcell family. Lord, and uh, we just lift them all up to you individually, Lord. We have some great prayer requests in there. Father, you know each one uh, according to their need, Lord, and we thank you so much for it. Father God, we just ask you to bless each one. Um, Lord, just uh, answer each prayer according to, your, according to your will for them and their lives, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And then, of course, we have all of the unspoken prayers of our hearts. Lord, we just lift up uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, Mike Elizalde, uh, Manuel, Larissa, and myself. Lord, you know what each one of us are asking for in our prayer request, in our unspoken prayer request, Lord. You know the needs of our heart. Father God, we just ask you just to minister to each one. Lord, answer according to your perfect will for us and our lives. And of course, Lord, that you would obtain the honor and the glory for the answered prayer. Father, we also commit this, um, this podcast to you. We commit this Bible study to you tonight. Lord, we ask you just to, uh, just to help to uh, keep the feed alive. Lord, that we wouldn't lose the connections. And Lord, that uh, we wouldn't have to do any kind of a restart. Father, don't give the devil any, any ground here tonight. We're going to be studying some amazing things from your precious book. And we are looking forward to getting into it. So we will thank you for it, for all of these prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks, if you have any prayer requests at all, uh, feel free to send them over to us. Just head over to swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Go over to our um, uh, web form. You can send it through that. Or you can email me directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. That's info 
at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. All right, so we don't have any uh, missionaries that we're going to be mentioning today. Uh, we do that the second Sunday of every month. Uh, no listener questions. And I am hoping that as we go through our studies, uh, particularly in the book of Revelation, that uh, you might have some questions that you can forward on to us that we could answer on the air for you. Uh, that would be a tremendous blessing, not only for myself, but for anybody else that's listening that might have similar questions. So uh, don't forget to send over those questions. Uh, we have no birthday announcements this week, and so that means that we're going to take our second break of the evening, and that'll give you a chance to go get your King James Bible if you haven't done that already. Grab yourself a cup of coffee, maybe a refill, a bottle of water, and when we come back, we're going to be getting into today's Bible study in Revelation chapter number one. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends, your family, and your followers. We'll be back right after this short break. Alone in the darkness you're wandering Is Jesus still listening to me? Is he truly aware of my suffering? And is this the way it always will be? My friend, I know the answer to your question. But don't trust my opinion alone. You should ask the host of others, sisters and brothers, who have been there and their stories live on. Just ask the woman at the well, the thief on the cross, the lame man who's walking, the dumb tell it all as the beggars and lepers who've been touched by his hand can he handle an impossible task. They'll know the answers just as. I too have stood in the darkness, not wanting to walk one more mile. My mind filled with unanswered questions, hiding tears behind every smile. But then, I drew strength from those pilgrims, the ones who were the first to believe. When their faith reached out to touch him, his arms reached back to help them, and he's able to do the same for you and me. Just as the woman at the well Tell 
the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you food to support you and comfort to cheer you it is the traveler's map the pilgrim's staff the pilot's compass the soldier's sword and the Christian's character Christ is its subject our good its design and the glory of God its end it should fill the memory rule the heart and guide the feet read it slowly frequently and prayerfully it is given to you in life will be open in the judgment and be remembered forever it involves the highest responsibility rewards the greatest labor and condemns all who trifle with its holy precepts the King James Bible God's holy book Amen, amen, and amen. Welcome back, folks. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast, and uh, we're going to be getting into the book of Revelation tonight with chapter one. Now, I've been looking forward to getting into this, so uh, folks, just pray for me as we go through it. Pray that we don't lose our audio. Pray that uh, everything goes nice and well tonight. This is a really detailed study. Uh, spent a lot of time working on this, so I, I, I just pray that uh, that you guys get a blessing out of it. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for tonight. We want to thank you, Lord, for your book. We want to thank you for the ability to open up your precious book to study your word. And Lord, we ask you to bless the reading, the teaching, and the preaching of your precious word. And we will thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, episode 71 of the Sword of the Spirit podcast, Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him 
to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. Now, the book of Revelation is from and is about Jesus Christ. And uh, you're going to learn a great deal more about Jesus Christ by studying the book of Revelation. Now, you know, a lot of people confine and they kind of restrict their study of Jesus Christ to the four Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, and his lifetime ministry while he was here. And that's all well and good. And certainly we need to know about his ministry while he was here. Uh, And it is truly rich in information. But if you stop there, you've only seen one segment of the personage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what you're going to see primarily in the book of Revelation is a futuristic look at him. And we'll be in that momentarily. Now, the indication of the verse is this. Well, you know what? Let's, let's read verse 2. Let's read verse 2. Who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Now, the indication of the book is that there are certain things that are being initiated in the next couple of chapters. And when you see these things, know that the end is right there. Now, what I want to look at is the word testimony in verse 2. Who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Now, let's see what the testimony of Jesus Christ is. Go with me over to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Now, in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10... Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10, we read this. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. All right. So that's what we just read about, the testimony of Jesus. Well, what is it? Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, you know something? That's one of the great things about your Bible, is that it's a self-interpreting book. You don't have to. You know, it's not left to your imagination or human opinion. And isn't that a blessing? Don't you find that to be a blessing? I mean, if it was, I think we'd be in big trouble, wouldn't we? You know, I was witnessing to a guy once, and I was trying to convey to him that the, you know, the Bible is credible, and it's dependable, and it's at least worthy of his investigation. I said, you know, I'm not even asking you to believe it. I'm just asking you to investigate it. And he said to me, he goes, well, why should I do that? So I said, I said, well, number one, it's been around a lot longer than you have. And that's, that should be something worth something. Uh, it's been around a lot longer than any other books have that I know about. And that should be worth something. And then I said that the, you know, there are millions of people that believe it to be the word of God. That alone should make you say, hey, you know, I ought to look into this. But he wasn't all that convinced that he should investigate it. And he said to me, he goes, well, tell me why you think I ought to read the Bible. And then I went right to this theme right here. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I began to tell him, you know, the Bible forecasted things thousands of years ago that have found their precise and their exact fulfillment. 
And, you know, this, the statistical odds of that, the statistical probability of that is so far against that that it's, it's beyond human comprehension and imagination. I said you need to look into that. You need to investigate that. You know, one of the most credible things that we have going for us to convince us that, you know, in fact, the Bible is the Word of God. And I say that in, 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 in kind of quotes because I don't need anything to convince me that the Bible's the Word of God. I don't need any convincing whatsoever. But you know, some folks do. Some folks do. But the testimony of Jesus Christ, the, the testimony of Jesus, his testimony, is the spirit of prophecy. Now, there's nothing better than fulfilled prophecy to bear a thing out, you know, to, to, to nail a thing down and to put it, put it nice and, and, and tight. You know, fulfilled prophecy. For example, let's let's say I told you that um, that uh, what's today? Today's uh, February twenty third. All right. Let's say I told you that next February twenty third, you're going to have a car accident at the corner of Main Street and Veterans at one forty five p.m. And then I describe to you all the circumstances, and then lo and behold, you did just exactly the way I describe it to you. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be amazing? Do you know what God did? God gives you over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the first coming of Jesus Christ. And the statistical odds of those 300 prophecies becoming a reality are so remote that it defies human imagination. But folks, they did. The spirit of Jesus Christ is prophecy. Now, that's why a lot of people resent the book of Revelation, because it's telling us what's going to take place. And it's predicating that on some things we, we already see as indicators on the horizon. And uh, it basically has a negative message until the conclusion, of course. And folks, you know what? Most people just aren't really interested in receiving a negative message. All right, there's another element. And I'm just going to have to camp here for a minute, though, and then, and then we'll move on. The spirit of prophecy. If you are a born-again child of God, you have within you the capability of prophecy. Did you know that? It's not some special gift that descends upon you from the north end of heaven on a Baptist parachute. It's not like that at all. If you're a child of God, you have the spirit of prophecy. Now let me show you what I mean. I can say to you, and I can say it with all biblical legitimacy tonight, that when I die, I'm going to heaven. Now, isn't that a prophecy? Isn't that a prophecy? Now, how many times have you ever said that to someone, and they got, and they got you know, all their fur kind of st stood up a little bit? You know, they kind of got a little irritated at that. Well, nobody can know that. Well, I'm sorry, but I know it. Well, you, you just can't be sure of that. Well, I'm sorry, but I am sure. How can you say such a thing? Well, I can say it because the book says it, right? You see what it is? When you declare such a thing, you have just become a prophet. You have the spirit of prophecy. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, 
that you may know you have eternal life. And it's interesting here because John didn't say, hope so, maybe so, think so. What he said was no, K-N-O-W, right? These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. No. So when you walk around and you say to folks, I know I have eternal life, well, just who do you think you are? Well, I just think that I'm a sinner saved by grace. I just think that I happen to be the recipient, a recipient of the greatest thing that God ever passed out, eternal life, the spirit of prophecy. So God sets the whole thing on edge right from the get-go, doesn't he? When he talks about the spirit of prophecy, that, by and large, well, not with this audience. Most of you are listening because you're interested in the Bible. You believe that there's something real and profound out there for you. But by and large, out there in the world, this kind of thing is resented. In fact, it's deeply resented. So when you look at it, folks, really, God doesn't take two verses to get folks on edge. Not two verses, and already some people are going to be mad at it. All right, let's go on. Verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So God says there are certain blessings that are associated with reading the words of this book. And I, and I believe that to be so. I, be, I believe that to be precisely and exactly so. Now, the indicators are here. He says, the time is at hand. Now, what would be one of the tip-offs for, for us to know that the time is at hand? Now, here's the way the book of Revelation is laid out. And we're going to see this over and over and over again as we go through it. Because by the time we get through the first chapter, we'll see it four or five times. The book of Revelation is laid out three-dimensional. Okay, the book of Revelation is three-dimensional. It's past, present, and future. Okay, now the past is chapters one through three. The present is chapters four to chapter 19. The future is chapter 20 to 22. Now you say, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Last week you said chapters 4 to 19 were tribulation. I know that. But we're not in the tribulation. No, we're not. Well then, how can it be present? It's present from John's perspective. The Spirit moved him forward. Now flip over to Revelation chapter 3 for a minute. And let's look at verse 17. Now here, in, in, in verse 17, God is addressing one of the seven churches. That's what chapters 2 and 3 are devoted to, talking to the seven churches. And, and he alludes to them by name in chapter 1. And we get a breakdown in details in chapter 2 and 3. The seventh church, or the last church, is the church at Laodicea. Now, these churches, as we're going to find out, not only represent actual churches in Asia Minor, but they also represent certain time periods throughout, throughout church history. Now, here's what God has to say to the last church. And by the way, if you haven't figured it out, we're it. We are the Laodicean church. It started somewhere around 1900. And when I say we, 
you know, quote unquote, we, I don't just mean the Baptists. I mean the whole thing. You know, I mean everybody. All right. Now, verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So God says to this church that, now, has there ever been a church in the history of mankind that's been wealthier than the 21st century church? There's a lot of wealth out there tied up in this in the religious world. You know, millions upon millions upon billions of wealth tied up in the religious world. God says, when you see this, this is one of the indicators. A church that's increased with goods, and they say, you know, we don't need anything. God says that the problem is on the inside. You're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. You need to be watching. You need to be watching. These are all signs of things to come. All right, let's go back to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4. All right, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. All right, uh, there we have the first reference to the seven churches. Now, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ to the Apostle John. But God's intent is that this revelation be observed by churches. Now, do you know how many times, and I'm just going to get on my soapbox just for a second here, okay? And then we'll continue on with Revelation, all right? Do you know how many times I've been told, and, and, and I sincerely mean it, I wish I had a nickel for every time I've been told this, I don't need to go to church. I can worship God out in the wilderness, in the woods, on the lake, you know, and all that. My, resp- my response to that is, hey, look, I'm not the one who thought up the idea of the church. You know, it was a bunch of greedy preachers. You know, one day they all sat around in a little huddle and they said, hmm, how can we get their money? I know. We'll start a thing called church. Yeah, that's what we'll do. And we'll tell them, you've got to be there and you've got to give us all your money. That's how it started. Now, you know, I I could tell that to some folks and they would feed on that. Oh, yeah, that's it. Folks, the idea of the church wasn't my idea. The idea of the church was the Lord's idea. I didn't come up with it. I'm not that bright. God's the one that came up with the idea of a church. You know, most of Paul's epistles were written to to churches, were they not? The church at Rome, the church at Philippi, the church at Thessalonica, the church at Corinth, amen? Amen. All right, now this letter is addressed to churches. Now churches, as bad as some of them might be, as good as a few of them may be, they're all part of God's grand design and plan. So, verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is, which is to come. All right, now one more time. Three-dimensional. Past, present, future. Which is, which was, 
and which is to come. Now, you're going to see that theme frequently camped on in the book of Revelation, past, present, future. And we're going to see very quickly that Jesus Christ encompasses all of that. He is the past, present, and the future. From him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Now, that's a very interesting little thing there. And this introduces something new to us. Now, according to this and other passages that we have that we'll investigate, there are seven spirits before the throne of God. Now, what do you suppose they are? Well, how would you find out? We'd consult the Bible, wouldn't we? You know, it's amazing to me. I mean, I just find it incredulous sometimes. I was talking to a guy, and he says that he's been saved for more than 20 years, and he goes to church all the time. And so he started making some really far-out statements this, this time I spoke to him, and, it, and I asked him where he found that in the Bible. He didn't know. And then he said something else, and I asked him to show me it in the Bible. But he couldn't. I said, could you show me that in the Bible? Well, I don't remember where that is. And, you know, I, I don't think that guy even knew one verse. I don't think he even knew John 3.16. Folks, this book is our authority. What are the seven spirits? Oh, I don't know. Well, there's the spirit of love. Yeah, all that stuff. But what does the book say? So let's see if we can find it. Take your Bibles and go over to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. You're going to find the spirits right there. The seven spirits before the throne of God. Now in Isaiah chapter 11, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. All right, now there you have the seven spirits of the Lord. They're the spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and might, and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then, of course, in verse 1, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And that all lends itself together with that. So we'll talk more about the spirits later on. But my point is, when you're confronted with a thing like, like that and you say, well, I wonder what they are, folks, we've got to go to the Bible and find out what they are. And I will say it again and again and again, the Bible is a self-interpreting book. You know, people say, well, it's your interpretation. It's not. It's a self-interpreting book. It will interpret itself. All right, let's go back to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. So now we've got all this stuff nailed down, uh, and this is what we would call foundational material. That's why God writes it the way he does. You know, you're not ready for the spooky stuff yet. You know, man, there's some spooky stuff in Revelation. Oh, man. I mean, you want to talk about far out, like way out? It's all there, and we'll get there. You're just not ready for it. All right, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, 
Well, there's a mouthful. Amen? You know what? There's about four sermons in that verse right there. Let's look at the verse again. And one more time, it's three-dimensional. Now, this is the third time in five verses that we've had past, present, and future thrown at us. You say, well, what do you mean? All right. Who is? That's present. The first begotten of the dead. That's past. And the prince of the kings of the earth. That's future. Now, truthfully, more theological suicide is committed by people who, who, who get these things all fouled up because they don't discern the three offices of Jesus Christ and when he's occupying those offices. Now, Jesus Christ occupies and fulfills three offices, okay? He's a prophet, he's a priest, he's a king. When Jesus was here in his earthly ministry, he came as a prophet. Didn't Moses, didn't Moses prophesy of a prophet that will come? And when you read about that in Deuteronomy, it's even capitalized. God telling us there's a prophet, and that prophet is Christ. And not only did, did he come as a prophet, but in that office as prophet, he came to die for our sins. Now, presently, Jesus Christ is not a prophet. He's occupying and fulfilling the role of a priest, which is a mediator. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Now, one day he's going to return as a king. Now, you know, a lot of folks try to make him a king now. He's not king now. He's a priest now, a mediator. You say, well, you know, he's a king prospectively. Well, that's true. He hasn't actually assumed his crown and a scepter. And we'll read about that later in the book of Revelation when he does that. Now, ironically and not coincidentally, the psalmist lays this whole thing out for us chronologically. Now, in Psalm 22, you have a psalm that details the crucifixion. And it talks about piercing hands and feet, dividing his garments. It, it, it talks about ravening wolves. It, it details outlines, uh, it details and outlines you know, the, the whole crucifixion scene for you. And what's interesting about that is that this was about 1,500 years before crucifixion was even known as a means of execution. The spirit of prophecy. In Psalm 23, now everybody knows Psalm 23, amen? Everybody knows the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. You know, all that, you know. Now, that's Psalm 23. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. And what's he doing in the 23rd Psalm? As a good shepherd, he's my priest, my mediator. He's my caretaker. But in the next one, Psalm 24. And isn't that interesting? Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 24. The Lord just lays it out in perfect chronological order. And if you read Psalm 24, you'll see the presentation not as a suffering, crucified, dying prophet, not as a good shepherd leading his sheep, but in Psalm 24 as a coming, conquering king. Now, if there's anything we've got to do is learn how to separate that. 
rightly dividing the word of truth is critical. All right, now, Jesus Christ, you could say, is a king prospectively, but he has not yet assumed the office of king. And do you know how I know that? Because everything is still running amok. Amen? When he's king, do you think folks will be getting away with the things they're getting away with now? Do you think that the world would be in a mess like it's in right now when he's king? Well, folks, I've got news for you. That Bible says he's going to rule with a rod of iron. You get out of line and be whack. Another story, but we'll get, and we'll get into that. But it's all down the road here, folks. It's all down the road. There is lots of stuff in Revelation. But I want you to notice the last part of the verse. It's a critical part of the verse. And washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, if you were washed from your sins by baptism, then the Lord certainly led you astray with that verse, didn't he? If water, think about it, if water could wash away your sins, then I guess we would need to change the hymn, right? You know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the water in the baptistry, right? Water won't do it. Well, you don't believe in baptism? Well, sure we believe in baptism. Sure we do. But it won't wash your sins away. It won't do that. It'll get you wet. It may even get you aggravated. But it won't wash your sins away. It won't do that. What washes sins away? The blood of Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, Colossians says. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin, First John says. All right, verse 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now again, some folks get that fouled up because they don't study to show themselves approved unto God. They run around and they, and they get this notion in their head that they're already a king. But look what it said. And hath made us kings and priests unto God his Father. It sounds present tense, and we're going to get some Bible clarification on that in a minute. It sounds like you're already a king. So that's why you have all these guys that are running around. And, and, you know, you see these guys on TV, these TV evangelists. What you need to do is just declare your victory over the devil. And then you see them go through all kinds of nonsense, you know. You need to take hold of that devil and stomp on his head. Yeah, right. (laughs) Okay. You know, the Bible compares the devil to a roaring lion. Now, if a 600-pound, shaggy-maned African lion walked into this studio right now, well, I don't know what you'd do, but I'm not stomping on his head. As far as I'm concerned, it's every man for himself. You know, I'm out of here, you know? But that's not all. The devil's compared to a seven-headed dragon. We'll read about that in Revelation chapter 12. You know, folks, you know, sometimes assume way too much authority. They say, well, you know, you've got to understand the context. The authority is in Jesus Christ, and he's the king. Well, you see, that's the problem. That's the problem. Not yet. He could be, but he refused it. On the cross, he said, I could call a legion of angels down right now. 
But you see, that's what he does when he's king. That's not what he did when he was a prophet. That's all future. That's all down the trail. So you know what you and I live in? We live in a hostile world. We live in a world that belongs temporarily to the devil. Isn't he called the God of this world? That's why we're pilgrims. We're just passing through. You know, folks, don't fall in love with this mess. It isn't yours. And aren't you glad? You know, just keep on traveling. You know, the, the Bible says that Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. I don't think God built any of this mess around here. I don't think God built New York City. I've lived there for over 40 years. I can tell you God didn't have anything to do with that. You know, I don't think God built Los Angeles either. I'm convinced he didn't build Eagle Pass. But do you see where we're going with this? Do you see where we're going? All right, now take your Bible and go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, and let's get our clarification on this king and priest business. You, you know, you can say that you're a king prospectively. That's true. You can say that. You know, you're part of the family. Isn't that true? It's kind of like Prince Charles. You know, he waited for years for his time to be king, right? Now he is. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests. Now get this. And we shall reign on the earth. Shall just means future. It's future tense. We're not there yet. It's somewhere down the trail. All right, now here's the deal. It's outlined over in First Peter. We're not going to take the time and go over there, but, but here it is, okay? And I'm sure you've heard this before. You bear the cross now, you wear the crown later. You bear the cross now, you wear the crown later. A lot of folks try to bypass the cross. Isn't that true? A lot of folks try to bypass the cross. All right, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. So John's getting pretty excited about talking about what he's seeing, you know. How do, well, how do you know he's getting excited? Well, he keeps saying amen, right? Look how he ends verse 6, amen. Look how he ends verse 7, even so, am, amen. <laughs> you know, John would have done well at one of those, you know, cold, placid, you know, say nothing, do nothing churches, you know. He wouldn't have been excited. He got a case of that old-fashioned Baptist, you know, excitement going on there. Amen. Ooh, this is good, you know. Well, why not? Why not? All right, the context of the verse, verse 7, is not the rapture. Okay, it's the second advent. Now, normally if we were in a classroom setting or if I was doing this as a vidcast instead of a podcast, I would, I would draw out a timeline for you to help us understand the sequence of events a lot easier. So I'll do the best I can to explain it to you all as we go along. Now, you and I presently live in an age or a dispensation that we refer to as the church age. And this age 
that you and I live in, we believe is right at the tail end and the conclusion is somewhere very near. Now, at the conclusion of the church age is an event known as the rapture. Now, I know someone's going to say, rapture's not a Bible word. Yes, I know. The rapture isn't a Bible word. It's a word that, that was invented to describe a Bible event. Now, you can read about that event in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and interestingly, we're going to read about it in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. Now, the event itself is typed in various other places in your Bible, but we're not going to get into all that stuff right now either. But you can see it typed in the Old Testament. For example, the clearest type of the rapture is back in Genesis chapter 5. And in Genesis chapter 5, you have a guy by the name of Enoch. And just before a flood, which is compared to a great tribulation in 1 Peter chapter 3, God does what? God takes Enoch out, doesn't he? He raptured him. He never had to die. He just left, you know, exited stage up. Off he went. That's Enoch. Now, he's a picture of the church of Jesus Christ that gets raptured prior to the tribulation. All right, and the Church of Jesus Christ, I don't mean the, the, the denomination, the Church of Jesus Christ, I'm talking about the body of Christ, the Church of Jesus Christ. That's, that gets raptured prior to the tribulation. And man, that's an exciting thing. It's a great event. You know, you know the Lord, you know, if, you know, you're saved. If you've, got a, if you've got a bone of spirituality about you, any common sense whatsoever, you're hanging on to that thing. That's what you're hanging on for. You know, like Brother Alex mentioned in his prayer for his dad that, that he'd, he'd still be alive at the rapture, right? You're saying, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly, right? That's what you're hanging on for. And then we have the tribulation period, which in all probability is seven years. Well, there's really no doubt that it's seven years, and we'll get into details of that later, the seven-year tribulation. At the conclusion of that, there's the return of Jesus Christ, that's what we call the second advent. Now here, Revelation 19. Um, uh, what is it? I lost it. Revelation 19. Um, shooting from the hip here. Revelation 19, Joel chapter 2, um, Solomon, Song of Solomon chapter 6, Matthew 24. There's a lot of passages about that, all right? It's when Christ returns and establishes his kingdom as king on this earth. Then there's a, a 1,000 millennial year reign that follows. Now, a lot of people get the rapture and the second advent confused. But it's really not that difficult. It's, it's a really a very simple thing. Just don't confuse them. You've heard people, um, and I've done it too, I'm sure, over the, over the years, but you hear people in general just talk about the second coming of the Lord. Um, sometimes they talk about the rapture as the second coming. Well, no, no, he's not coming here in the rapture. The Bible says that we're going to meet him in the air. Amen? We're going to meet him up there somewhere, you know, beyond Pluto. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't really care. But we're going to meet him in the air. The second advent is where he actually returns. Now, the verse, now the verse before it is a description of the second advent. So let's look at that one more time. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Now, 
when he comes in the rapture, he comes as a thief in the night. And you're just going to go, you know, behold, he cometh with the clouds. Clouds are often representative of a manifestation of God. Uh, I mean, didn't God manifest himself in the Old Testament, ta- Old Testament tabernacle in a cloud? Uh, didn't God manifest himself in the temple in a cloud? You know, when God said to the Old Testament Jew when they were wandering in the wilderness, when it's time for you to move, there'll be what? There'll be a cloud, right? A cloud by day and fire by night. Okay, so clouds are important. And they're a good thing to study in your Bible. All right? And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Now, wailing is not indicative of a friendly greeting. That doesn't mean that all the nations are going to say, oh, wow. (laughs) Not at all. You know, quite to the contrary, actually. There's going to be a lot of wailing. That word is used in other interesting contexts as well. For example, wailing and gnashing of teeth. All right, how about some cross-references here? Uh, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 1. You know, we're not going to look these up, so write them down, okay? Zechariah chapter 9, verse 1. Matthew 24, verse 30. Matthew 26, verse 64. This is how the unsaved world is going to see him. This is the presentation that they're going to get, all right? Uh, verse 8, verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. All right, now Alpha and Omega are two Greek words, for the, uh, and those two Greek words are for the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. All right, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come the Almighty. And there it is again. Past, present, future. It's three-dimensional. So you might be saying, you know, why do you keep emphasizing that? Well, before we're done with Revelation, you're going to figure it out. Past, present, and future. Three-dimensional. All right, folks, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. We're a little overdue for our last break for the night. Um, This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends, your family, and your followers. And we'll be back right after this break. Don't go away. Lord, as I seek your God, for the day I find my thoughts unyielding confusion crowds my way but then when I bow to you the challenges you guide me through your promises are ever new I claim them for today Protect me, I rest in your care. Your eyes will watch over me, your love will for 
forgive me, and when I am faltering, I still will find you there. Each new day's design is charted by your hand, and graciously revealed as I see. Your master plan. Keep my footsteps faithful when from you I go. Return me to the joy that your blessings can bestow. Your will cannot lead me where your grace will not keep. Your hand will protect me. I rest in your care. Your eyes will watch over me. Your love will forgive me. And when I am faltering, I still will find you there. Your eyes will.
Praise the Lord. Amen and amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello. We are going through the first chapter of the capstone book of your Bible, the book of Revelation. And uh, we are in uh, chapter one, and we're going to pick it up here in verse number nine. But before we do that, I've been very neglectful about our chat room. So if uh, folks, if you are logged into Spreaker and you have a uh, you have an active Spreaker account, you can jump on into our chat rooms. Come on in, say hello, let us know you're out there. And uh, you can ask any questions, and we'll answer those if we possibly can, uh, as quickly as we can, as we go through. All right, verse 9, verse 9, Revelation chapter 1. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was at the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is a testimony of prophecy that we've already discussed. Uh, That verse, I think, it's fairly self-explanatory, right? So verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Now, in this particular case, the Lord's Day is undoubtedly not a reference to the tribulation. Um, It's not a reference to the day of Jacob's trouble. It's a reference to Sunday. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. You know, interesting things happen on a Sunday, don't they? Really interesting things happen on Sunday. It's called the Lord's day in the Bible. Now, we don't worship on the Sabbath. Why? Well, because we aren't Old Testament Jews. That's why. You know, a guy says, you ought to worship on the Sabbath. That's Saturday. Well, yep. No argument about the fact that the Sabbath is Saturday. No argument about that at all. You have Ten Commandments, and one of those says, Thou shalt keep the Sabbath day holy. But here's what's interesting. Nine of those Ten Commandments are repeated in the Pauline epistles. You, you have, uh, Obey your father and mother, that your days may be long upon the earth. That's there. Uh, and Paul wrote about it to uh, New Testament churches. You know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. All there. Paul reiterated every single one of them except one. He never said a word about thou shalt keep the Sabbath day holy. Well, I wonder why. I mean, would Paul, who wrote 13 epistles to New Testament personages and churches, overlook something as critical as that, if it is critical? It seems like at least one of those churches needed to hear, thou shalt keep the Sabbath day holy. But he never did. I wonder why. Do you want me to tell you? I'll tell you why. Over in the book of Ezekiel, we're told what the Sabbath day is for. Now, I think it's Ezekiel chapter 20. I think it is. Now, if there's somebody in the chat room that can look that up for me, I would appreciate it. Um, It says that the Sabbath was for a sign. Now, who seeks after a sign? Who seeks after a sign? Jews, right? Jews do. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 22. Jews seek after a sign. You You know why God gave the Old Testament Jew the sign of the Sabbath day? And uh, Jason in the chat room says the verse is Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. All right. Thank you, brother. All right. Now, do you know what the Lord's replaced the Sabbath day with for the New Testament Christian? The Lord's day. Sunday. That's it. 
That's why we go to church on Sunday. All right? Very simple. Uh, I, was in the, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Don't miss Sunday. You might miss something good. Do you know where John was on Sunday? He was in church. Oh, come on. He was in exile on a rocky island out there. Did you ever go to church by yourself? I have. You know, just you and the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. You know, the Lord likes to talk with trumpets. Did you ever notice that? The Lord likes trumpets. And I, actually, I do too. Verse 11, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea, the seven churches. All right, quickly. And we're going to get more detail about these seven churches next week, Lord willing. Uh, but at least let me give you the meaning of those seven words. All right? So if you're taking notes, write these down. We have seven words that represent seven churches. Okay? Ephesus. Ephesus means fully proposed. Okay? Smyrna means myrrh, as in the embalming spice used in the Bible. Remember the wise men? They brought myrrh as a gift to Jesus Christ as a child. Remember that? Pergamos means, you won't get this until we go over it next week or the week after, but Pergamos means much marriage. Much marriage. Thyatira means odor of affliction. Sardis means red ones. Philadelphia means, I mean, surely you know what, what this one means, right? Brotherly love. Don't we say Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love? Now, I don't know if it is or not. <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but that's what they say. But where do they get that word from, Philadelphia? When they founded that city in Pennsylvania, well, they got that word out of the Bible. They said, you know, we want a city of brotherly love. You know, what should we call it? Philadelphia. And I'm just going to throw this in here, okay? Over in Philadelphia, they have the Liberty Bell. It's supposed to be emblematic of the freedom that we cherish so much in our country. On the Liberty Bell, they have something inscribed in that thing, and, and you probably couldn't find 10 college graduates in the state of Texas that know where that inscription came from. You know, what it says is, let liberty be proclaimed throughout the land. And it comes right out of your old King James Bible in reference to the year of Jubilee. It's a Bible thing. It's a Bible thing. And then finally, Laodicea, the last church. Now, the church, we've already made an allusion and a reference to this church. Do you know what Laodicea means? Laodicea means civil rights or rights of the people. So in other words, the last church that God makes reference to, God has little authority, if any. The people have all of the authority. The authority is with the people, not with God. Now you can tell an authoritative church and if the authority is right or not by the book. Amen? Because isn't that the authority? That's the authority. It's not the preacher. It's not the people. It's the book. That's the authority. 
All right, those are the seven churches. So let's move on. Verse 12. And I turned to see the voice. Now, I want you to remember, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ to John to be delivered to the seven churches. It's these churches that need this revelation. That's the progression of events that we've seen established already in chapter 1. You know what a church needs? It needs revelation. Do you know what revelation is? It's information regarding the future. Don't we need revelation? Well, it's sitting right in front of you. Isn't that great? Verse 12, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. So he said, I heard a voice that sounded like a trumpet, and I turned and I saw seven golden candlesticks. Well, I wonder what those are. Well, let's look down. Let's, let's get a sneak peek. Okay. Did you ever read ahead in a book? You know, like, you know what I'm talking about? Did you ever read ahead in a book? You bunch of cheaters. Well, look, I do, it the, I do the same thing. I do it all the time. All right. Let's get, uh, let's get a sneak peek at verse 20. Uh, verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks. See, that's what we're talking about in verse 12. The seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So the seven candlesticks are the seven churches. Isn't that kind of, that's clear, isn't it? You don't have to interpret anything. All you have to do is read it and believe it. Now, the idea of this, the idea of it is this, all right? A church is supposed to be a light. I mean, shouldn't we be a lighthouse, a light? Isn't that what the candlesticks are for, a light? Now, if the light goes out, we failed. Amen? If the light goes out, we failed. All right? Verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, so right in the middle of the candlesticks, right smack in the middle of them, and that's critical, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. Now, this is, um, this is implementing a little bit of Old English, which some of you may not be familiar with. The paps simply means the chest. Gird about is like clothed about, you see? So he's clothed with a garment down to the foot and gird about his chest with a golden girdle. Now, it's no secret to the student of the Bible, and particularly the Gospels, uh, you know, who the Son of Man is. I mean, how many times did Jesus Christ refer to himself as the Son of Man? Many, many, many times. So what we have in front of us is a revelation, an appearance of Jesus Christ. Now, the next time the world sees Jesus Christ, he's not going to look anything like he did the first time he showed up. Nothing. Going to look nothing like it. And by the way, you know, they get that messed all up, don't they? Don't they get that messed up? I mean, have you ever seen the average artist's rendering of Jesus Christ? Sure you have. And in so many of them, you know, he, he looks like, um, you know, and it bugs me. It does. In many of them, he looks, he looks a little effeminate, doesn't he? A little wimpy. And they kind of have him with this golden brunette hair and the blue eyes. What they're trying to do is they're trying to make a white man out of him. <laughs> but folks... Song of Solomon, chapter 5, gives you a description of what Jesus Christ looked like. And he looked as Jewish as any Jew that ever walked the face of the earth. 
The Bible says that he had hair as black as a raven. Isaiah says he was uncomely, which means that he wasn't handsome or appealing in his appearance. You know, the Lord didn't come to brag on, you know, being Mr. Universe. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation. He didn't come in any grandeur or splendor. He came in humility, in appearance as well as everything else. But the next time he comes, whoa, we have a very different description before us. You want to talk about different. He comes not dressed in a humble, you know, homespun garment of a traveling itinerant prophet, you know, along the dusty trails of Palestine. No, 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 no. He comes with a golden garment. And I would think that it's pure gold. But that's not all. Look at verse 14. His head and his hairs were, were white like wool. Well, that's a long way from the description of his first coming. As white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And don't you know that those eyes will be able to look deep into the bottom of your soul? And you know what? It, it, and you'll know it just, you know, that quick. That quick. There'll be nothing hidden from him. Nothing hidden from those eyes that are as a flame of fire. All right, verse 15. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. So his voice is probably ten times greater than that of Niagara Falls. The sound of many waters. And his feet like unto fine brass. You know, brass in your Bible is an ingredient, um, an element, uh, a, a chemical ingredient that's used to designate judgment. In your Old Testament tabernacle and later on in the temple, there was what? There was a brazen altar. Remember that? Remember the brazen altar? The brazen altar was where the, um, the innocent animal was slain and their innocent blood was shed and gathered. And it was a picture of, the judge, of judgment on, on one on behalf of another. So he shows up with feet like a defined brass. So in other words, he's not coming to sit down with the multitudes and teach the golden rule, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount this time around. He's not coming to feed the 5,000 with fish and bread. He's coming to judge. And it'll, it'll be an entirely different appearance. All right, verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars. All right, so what are the seven stars? Well, again, verse 20. The seven stars are the angels over the seven churches. That's what the seven stars are. I mean, isn't it great just to let the Bible interpret itself? You know, you don't have to sit there and say, oh, man, I wonder what the seven stars. So these, so these seven angels are right there in his right hand. I mean, just right there. I mean, and did you ever notice the, the damage that just one angel can do? You know, one angel back in the Old Testament in one night slew 185,000 Assyrians. One angel in the middle of the night. I mean, wow. Think about that. One angel. And he's got seven of them right there. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. So what do you suppose a two-edged sword is? The Word of God. Amen? The Word of God. Hebrews 4.12. And you should write that in the margin of your Bible right next to this verse. And don't let that ever get away from you, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
Now, the thing about a two-edged sword is this. And then, and then here's another cross-reference for you. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 about that sword. A two-edged sword cuts both ways. It heals and it wounds. Now, you might be saying, well, I don't get it. How could a sword that's cutting you heal you? Because, you see, some people, it, it's a heart thing. Do you know what happened to me when I was exposed to the gospel and to the truth? Man, that old two-edged sword came out and went whack. And I was like, oh. And then that, two, then that two-edged sword came out again, and then it just sliced me wide open. Do you know what it did? It exposed every intent of the heart. That's what that book does. I mean, that book just rips you wide open. I mean, isn't he called the lion of the tribe of Judah? Do you know what a lion does with its prey? The first thing a lion does with its prey is it rips its belly wide open and, and, and he exposes all the entrails, you know, the heart, the liver, and he eats that first. And then he saves the rest for later. He exposes the inside. Do you know what the Lord's two-edged sword does? Man, it just slices you wide open. And when I got exposed to that, ouch, man, I surrender. And he immediately healed me. You know, some folks don't surrender, and it just, it just keeps cutting them and cutting them and cutting them up because they keep resisting and they keep kicking against the pricks, as it were. It's a two-edged sword. All right, so verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was that the sun shineth in his strength. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things about this. I want you to notice the masculine personal pronoun, his strength. Do you see that? As the sun shineth in his strength. Now, isn't that a strange way of saying something? I mean, is, it, is the grammar correct in your King James Bible? Oh, it's absolutely correct. And if it says anything else, your Bible's wrong. Just that simple. It should say his strength, not its strength. You say, well, the sun's a neuter thing. It's not masculine or feminine. No, you're wrong. It's masculine. How do I know that? Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4. And in Malachi chapter 4, God uses the sun as a type of the Godhead. And it says, arise with healing in his wings, speaking of the sun. And interestingly, sun is capitalized, S-U-N, in the passage in, in Malachi chapter 4. Now you have this, uh, you know, you have the Jehovah's Witness person comes to your door. You know, they don't believe in the Trinity, and you get into a conversation with them about spiritual things. You know, and then pretty soon, then they're asking you this: They're, you know, no, you can't prove that there's a Trinity. You mean to tell me that that they're they're three and one and one and three? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that God could be three and yet one? You don't really believe that. Yeah, I believe that. Do you know why I believe that? But what about that sun up in the sky? What about that thing up there that gives us light and the light gives us life? What about that? Because you see, from the sun, 
there's a ray that goes out that's called an alpha ray. And then there's another one that goes out that's called a beta ray. And then there's another one that goes out that's called a gamma ray. Isn't it interesting, by the way, that, that science has decided to use three Greek words or three Greek letters? I mean, that's what, they, that's what these are. You know, alpha is the first letter, beta is the second, and so on. Isn't it interesting, though, that they've used Greek letters and a Greek alphabet to describe the rays that, that emanate from the sun? The alpha ray, beta ray, gamma ray? Now, Jesus said, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. You know, they've got to mimic. They got to mimic the Bible. They have to mimic the Bible. Now, now here's some interesting facts that you need to know. Okay, all three of these rays come from the same source. One personality, one Godhead, but they all do different things. They all have different jobs. One can be seen and not felt, and that's what you see when you look up there. Alpha rays, you know, you could see it, but you can't feel it. One can be felt but not seen. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit moves into your life. You didn't see him, but boy, you knew something happened, amen? One can be felt, one cannot be felt or seen. But it's there, and they know it's there. God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Father. Do you know what the appearance of Jesus Christ is going to be like? Now, I don't know how to describe it to you, but if I were forced to give you the best description of my you know, limited vocabulary and my, my limited thinking, I would say this, that when Jesus Christ shows up at the second advent, it's going to look like an exploding nuclear bomb. No wonder they're going to wail. No wonder they'll cry out. As the sun shineth in his strength, not in his weakness, but in his strength. Verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Now, there are five different sets of keys mentioned in the New Testament. And we're not going to chase them all down in this study, but you should definitely look them up. It's a really good study. Who has the keys to hell and death? It's not Peter. You know, it's not old Pete. You know, Pete's a good guy and all, but he doesn't have the keys to death and hell. Jesus Christ does. So I, I, I wouldn't be, you know, going crashing off and checking with Pete about the keys. I check with Jesus Christ. Not only that, I don't need a key. Do you know why? Because the Bible says that he's the door. And you know something? I'm part of the door. And if you're saved, so are you. All right? Now, verse 19. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. All right? Three-dimensional. Past, present, future. The things which thou hast seen, past, the things which are present, the things which are present, and the things which shall be hereafter, future. Do you see? So over and over again, in chapter 1 alone, we get that emphasis. Past, present, future. 
it would kind of seem to me that, you know, we see how many times God emphasizes that. It would bear record on our hearts and minds that we need to catalog and categorize the Word of God just like the Lord does. Past, present, and future. And if you try to take the future and mix it in with the past, or if you try to take the past and, and, and try to throw it, throw it ahead into the future, you're only going to get yourself into trouble. You're going to get it all fouled up. Past, present, and future. All right, and verse 20. The last verse tonight, verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Well, that's pretty clear. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So do you know what the Lord's telling us right there? The seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches. Do you know what the Lord has alerted you to right there? He's letting you know that a star is not always a star. He said the stars are the angels. So 20 centuries later, somebody comes along and says, hey, you know, I've got an idea. Let's call this place Los Angeles, the city of the angels. Then they said, you know, let's put Hollywood here. And it's going to be where the movie stars are, right? Then we, you know, we refer to sports stars and music stars and all the different kinds of high-profile personalities. You know, we call them what? We call them stars, don't we? And in our own vocabulary, without even, without even really consciously recognizing it, we daily admit that stars are not always stars, don't we? Well, where do we learn that? We've got to go to the Bible. All right, now you've got fallen stars. You have fallen angels. Now, in the book of Judges, stars fight. In the book of Job, stars sing. And in Revelation, you know, look it over at chapter 9. Look over in chapter 9. Now, the reason why it's important for you to know this, and the reason why Revelation 1, 2, and 3 is absolutely necessary groundwork for things to come, is that it solves the problems the critics are always engendering. For example... In Revelation chapter 6, and then again in chapter 12, we're going to read about stars falling to the earth. And the critics that are out there are going to say, well, how can that be? Stars are billions of times bigger than the earth. And then in Revelation chapter 12, it says, the dragon drew a third part of the stars and cast them to the earth. And if he did that, then it would consume the earth. It's impossible. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Didn't God just tell you a star isn't always a star? Didn't he tell us that? He said the stars are seven angels. And in Revelation chapter 9 and verse 1, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him, uh uh-oh, it's a him. This star is a hymn. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and unto him was given the key of the bottomless pit. So this star has a key to the bottomless pit. 
And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And on and on it goes. Okay, so we have one last comment. Verse 20. Verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. So do you know what this whole thing is to the unsaved mind? It's a mystery. It's a mystery. God will uncloud the mystery for the believer through the help and the influence of the Holy Spirit. If you're not saved, if you're not saved, what you need to do is trust Christ. And when you trust Christ, God will unfold the mystery for you. Otherwise, this whole thing will only be a blur. And folks, with that, we've come to the conclusion of Revelation chapter number one. Folks, I hope that you received a blessing from the study tonight. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen in. Uh, Yeah, we're going to get close to that two-hour mark again. But this is an important study. I think this is a real blessing. I thoroughly enjoyed the study and preparation for this. And folks, again, I hope you received a blessing from it as well. If you have any questions or comments, you know, feel free to send us an email at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com or head over to our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com and uh, reach out to us through the contact form. Also, while you're on the website, folks, if you would, please look for that Support This Podcast button. And if the Lord leads you to do so, would you please consider a monthly contribution? Well, folks, until we meet again on uh, Sunday for Sermon Sunday, win the lost at all costs. God bless you, and take care. You've been listening to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. If you have any questions or comments, visit our website at swordofthespiritpodcast.com and send us a message. Or email us directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Until next time, God bless you and good day.